to yet another edition of the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things about the Rise and Fight Federation of Japanese Mixed Martial Arts, or as is the case very often when it comes to things that we want to talk about, we tend to shoot the shit and just let things be. Follow us on Twitter at We Are Rising Pod, that's W E A R E R I Z I N P O D, all in one word. Follow me on Twitter at ChrisGary92. Follow Andrew on Twitter at Avenger1. Follow us, we will follow you back. But again, as I said, we got a special edition of Oh and Shit. By the way, my apologies. You can also check out the show before I even get to talking about our guests. You can check out the show on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Podbean, Apple Podcasts and all other podcast providers of choice, or, well, wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) But still, enough about us yapping. Our special guest really needs no introduction, so we'll let him introduce himself. Please speak, sir. (laughs) That's uh, the strangest introduction I've ever had, but yes, uh, Stuart Fulton. Glad to be here. Good to see you guys. Uh, it's been a while in the making. Uh, I have to apologize for all the schedule uh, problems. Of course, there's the, the time difference being in different continents, but well, here we are. Yes, no, I'm so glad. I, I was starting to think this was going to become the Khabib Ferguson of uh, interviews. I thought I figured it was never going to get off the... Uh, it would never happen. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, here we go. So, um, yeah, how are you doing, guys? We're doing great, doing great. Uh, how about yourself? You got a busy schedule coming up, sir. You is I are you? It's I. I don't know how you do it. How do you? How do you just do all this commentating? Just and just like get just like do all this research, do all these pre-fight interviews. It's just like how do you do all of it? I don't know, man. It's 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 for the love, you know. Um, if uh, if if there's nobody else there to step up to the plate, then you know somebody's got to. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I can say. You're doing, you're doing quintets, so that's grappling. You do pancreas, which is MMA, and you do kickboxing uh, for Rise. So um, it's like, I'm just surprised. That, like, uh, like I've never seen somebody do so much for so uh, for combat sports in general. It's just, just getting all that stuff out there. It's a lot, and I, I admire that song, that you that you do it so so well and efficiently. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, much much appreciated. Uh, well, I'm I'm lucky to be where I am, and I've been here for uh, almost twenty years now, so um, I know the scene um, deeply, um, possibly more deeply than the majority of uh, people uh, firsthand, and uh, of course, uh, my my. The practical side of things, you know, I've been able to train here. I've, I've had experience competing here, um, so the my love for the martial arts is is finally I'm, I'm able to, to use it to to um, some extent after my competitive career, you know, um, to have insight into MMA, uh, grappling, uh, and kickboxing. Um, out here is um, yeah, it's a it's a blessing, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be able to do my part to, to bring that to the world. And also, yeah, and also, yeah, you you uh, translate uh, 
about your interviews as well for Pancras and uh, well, actually for anything where uh, you know a fighter speaking Japanese. How long did it take you to become fluent in Japanese? That's a, yeah, that's how long is a piece of string kind of thing. Um, the first year was a crash course, um, and anybody who has launched themselves into a, a culture and language that they're not familiar with uh, knows that your listening comprehension goes up very quickly, but your output is not catching up. So you can you get a gist of what's going on. You know, in, in, in the early months, but there's only so much you can actually uh, say and uh, articulate. So, yeah, the first year was a crash course, and of course, in the just after the half, you know, the half year, six months, seven months, I, I joined Takara Dojo, and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have a conversation then. It was just greetings, you know, basically. Um, I guess to answer your question a little bit more thoroughly. It took me three years to get to get comfortable with most conversation scenarios. Um, so you know, everyday conversation, getting by, fluent after, you know, uh, one to three years. Um, as far as actually translating stuff goes, uh, it took a little bit longer, five, eight years, and I'm still learning. You know, it's like the martial mm. arts. You, you don't stop learning, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a great, great start point for one of our questions from a fan, from our uh, buddy, Gentleman's Combat. He wants to know what your general experiences in the Kata Dojo were. General experiences? Okay, well, generally speaking, it was hellish. Um, <laughs> and just for anybody who wants to know, this is the, this is uh, Nobuhiko Takata, uh, the uh, manager of Ryzen, former pro wrestler for UWFI, New Japan, just in case anybody wants to know. But sorry, go ahead. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. It was it, it was tough. I mean, it was old school then. We're talking, you know, nineteen years ago, and the training then was based on, you know, w- even way before that. They weren't uh, doing the, the the kind of uh, strength and conditioning and uh, injury management, uh, psychological training uh, that, that a lot of the fighters get now. Um, it was basically you're in at the deep end. Uh, try to at least not drown. Mm. Uh, so uh, I think when a lot of people think of martial arts dojos, the uh, that video of uh, you ever see the uh, Satoru Sayama Tiger Mask? Uh, that's usually what people think of. Is that at all? I guess accurate of the Takata Dojo as well. It wasn't far from that, and, and speaking to the guys that I know that came up through Shuto and, and Pancras, um, they all had similar stories. Um, you, were, you were on the end, you were on the shitty end of the stick. Um, the, the senpai-kohai senior-junior relationship is um, <clears throat> incredibly complex and very strong here. Um, so that's something you have to navigate uh, as a foreigner mm-hmm. initially. Um, but yeah, uh, it was quite brutal, and uh, yeah, I, I saw some things that would not be acceptable in normal society. Um, but that was just the way it was, you know. Um, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, um, but at the time, it was 
that's the way it was. It was normal. Uh, that's interesting. And also, as a foreigner, I mean, like, is it... I, I, was the treatment as a foreigner any different? I'm not going to guess it was probably any better, but, like, was it any different than maybe some other person who... Uh, another Japanese-born person who was going through the uh, dojo? Certainly, yeah, there was a difference because of the, the communication level, and they, they understand that the... That, that, there's differences in culture. Um, so, yeah, I, I did receive some special treatment in some areas, but that didn't extend to the chores I had to do, the cooking, the cleaning, the washing, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, everything else, looking after the gym <clears throat> and the classes and uh, uh, paying customers, you know, the people who come to the, the, the lessons in the evening. Um or the training itself. I mean, you got your ass handed to you uh, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, uh, well, we're going to go into more positive uh, talk now. Uh, you don't have to relive your nightmares. Uh, we got we got the uh, Rise, Quintet. Well, Andrew, we don't want to jump right into Rise. Oh, if you want to ask a question, I'm sorry, question. If you want to ask any questions, go ahead. Well, well, go ahead. If you're, I'm sorry, sorry. There's one thing I do want to know is that, Mr. Fulton, you fought nine times as a mixed martial artist at four, four, and one as a professional under the tutelage of the Takata Dojo. Was it hard enough trying to fight to impress Nobuhiko Takata? Was it hard enough just to fight as a foreigner in Japan, not really learning the basic tools? Just learning them on the fly, so to speak. Okay, yeah, that's a double-layered question there. Well, but to answer the first part... Um, I'm sorry for asking way too much, sir. <laughs> that's all right, that's all right. Um, to answer the first part, um, I had actually left Takara Dojo by the time I had my professional debut. Um, mm -hmm. So I was, I was only there for just under a year. Um, and the, the, the original plan was to to stay there um, and, and debut at, around the year stage. Um, there was, because of um, Mr. Takada's uh, connections, um, there was chat of um, various international organizations. Um, but, um, yeah, ultimately, um, for a number of reasons, I, I left and started training free then joined uh, Genki Sudo's team, which is uh, the, the team I actually debuted under. So I was never fighting to impress um, any of the, the, the bosses at, at Takara Dojo, although I give um, a huge amount of gratitude and respect to, to Takara and, uh, and indeed Sakuraba, who I luckily still get to work with, um, for initially supporting me um, in, in that environment. Um, the second part, um, it was arguably more difficult to get fights because of my weight. Um, I had to make sure that, that I wasn't um, I wasn't too heavy. Or, other than that, I would have to make sure I was really, really heavy in order to hang with the big boys. So um, that was a difficult thing getting getting fights. To be honest, uh, 
um, in training, um, I didn't receive any special tra- treatment, uh, to be honest. Uh, in fact, if I can frame it anyway, uh, everybody came after me. Um, I'm the big guy. I'm six foot five. Um, at that time, I was you know light heavyweight between 95, 98 kilos. So you know, essentially, I could drop to light What's heavyweight. I, I could even I could even drop to middleweight to be honest at that stage. But it would have been really tough because of my height. Um, so it probably so would have been hard for you to drop down from like two hundred five pounds or two hundred thirteen pounds all the way down to one eighty five. Yeah. 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 So um, in training, everybody and their mum was coming after me, you know, just balls to the walls. There was no, there was no, yeah, let's let's go light or let's drill or you know let's roll. It was just uh, coming after me, you know, um, trying to trying to knock me out, trying to tear my arms off and stuff. So uh, yeah, that that's always been there, but um, that's the way it goes, you know, um, when you're a, 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 an anomaly and environment uh, like this uh, actually speaking of training uh i believe you uh i understand i think you you bruised or broke your rib about a few months ago uh yeah right at the end of um july just after the lockdown well i say lockdown it was a voluntary lockdown a soft lockdown here got lifted and the gym uh, opened again okay how's your rib so, how's it doing did you are you fully healed and all that stuff Oh yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, I was really worried at the time because I'd never done any rib rib damage at all. Although I've had a number of injuries all over my body, um, but I'd, you know, I'd heard how painful it was and how long it takes to, to heal. And, and really, there's not much you can do about it. Uh, you just got to wait. So um, yeah, it was just rolling. I, I was rolling with a purple belt, and uh, he always goes really, really hard. Um, hell of a nice guy, but. Um, you know, uh, he, he, he's, he's hungry um, and he wants to go for it. And, uh, yeah, I was just passing guard, I think. I don't remember exactly, but I was passing guard. And I think I got a foot or a knee into the rib cage and uh, just a little bit of a tweak there. So, um, yeah, I was out for about six weeks, although I did go back to do weight training after about four weeks. Um, uh-huh. So the, the rehab's been going fine. And I, I've been rolling again for another couple of weeks now. And in ter- actually, in terms of lockdown... Um, how is Japan doing now? I mean, I, we hear we hear stuff in the news, but I want to hear from somebody who actually lives there. Like, what? How is Japan or Tokyo, wherever you live? Uh, how is everything going now? Well, it's it's fascinating uh, watching from the outside um, to Western countries and, and how the, the governments are, are dealing with it, and how some of them, notably the the UK government and the US government, have completely mismanaged it. Um, here, uh, here, because they because they can't legally enforce a public lockdown. It's it's actually in the in the law, written into the law. Um, it's against human rights uh, to to do that. Um, so basically, all they could do was uh, request that people stay home, don't travel, limit contact. Uh, check your temperature every day, wash your hands, um, use the alcohol sprays at all the shops. Um, and um, and it went fine, um, which is kind of ironic because Japan is classically known as a bit of a nanny state, you know, where people are, are 
you know, told in a communist way, you know, how to behave and how to control themselves. But everybody was, obviously there was people complaining, but um, people got on with it and, um, and, and it worked. And we've been super lucky here. Um, really, really super lucky uh, in, in all aspects of the, the pandemic. Um, some businesses have been hit hard of course, financially. So, you know, some uh, sectors of the economy have taken a bit of a bash, but um, overall, uh, the people are, um, are coming through and uh, the, the number of cases and especially the number of deaths is very, very low considering. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty much back to normal. I mean, there's social distancing. Um, but... Yeah, uh, we're, we're not we're not restricted um, in any way, uh, uh, like like in the West. When you uh, uh, I don't know if you, if you watch a lot of Japanese news, but maybe you could tell us. Uh, I also know that there was a recent change in the uh, Japanese government with a new prime minister. Uh, what is there a timetable for when uh, I guess restrictions on foreigners might ha- happen? Because I, I know that's one of the things that happened with, with Pancras. Pancras is supposed to bring in a bunch of foreigners like uh, Riley Dutro. Uh, Rafael Silva, who's a bantamweight champion, and you know, or just other promotions as well that have been affected, where they can only use basically to anybody who's just in Japan, nobody outside the the island. So, is there a, has the government talked about like a timetable for when they might soft have a soft lifting of foreigners or something for athletes or something along those lines? I haven't heard any um, official line on uh, timetable. But um, I do know that there's there's talk of lifting restrictions on bringing athletes. Yeah. So um, that obviously means a, a lot to a whole bunch of sports. Um, not to mention the Olympics next year. Mm. And it probably sucks even more for sports like football, basketball, and baseball, which, of course, baseball is probably the number one sport over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, baseball is big, so, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a big industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, so, I know that Rise had the, uh, uh, for the Oklahoma show, it was a limited audience. Um, is Quintet allowing in an audience uh, for next week? Yes, yep. Um, Pancras also. Uh, Quintet, um, rise um, of course the ticket numbers are limited because of uh, spacing um, but yeah audiences are, are back in mm-hmm. oh okay great great because I think uh, I think the last pancreas show did not have an audience I think it was uh, I think it was uh, no zero audience or whatever whatever it's called uh, that's right yeah yeah it was a it was a non-spectator show um, last time but um, yeah we're back on this time okay great great. Uh yeah, let's uh, let's talk about all the all all these shows coming up. Let's go through uh let's do it like I guess chronologically. Uh, this weekend, uh, Pancras D nineteen, uh, with the main event being Hiroto Uesako finally returning to Pancras. I feel like I've heard about him trying Against to get a fight. Masamoto, I, which this is pretty much a battle of the rising alums. Yeah, I like it. I feel like that Hiroto Uesako has been trying to get a fight for like. The entire year and everything it just like worked against this poor guy. I feel so bad for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, 
this is this is a big fight to be honest and uh, it's kind of um going to, under the radar at the moment um, but anybody knows anything about these guys I and mean, you've got the, the former deep featherweight champion uh, against the reigning uh shoot or lightweight champion um <clears throat> they both fought in rising um they're both absolutely phenomenal level mixed martial artists um and, and pancras has been able to put this on so it's uh yeah it's 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 brilliant and uh, would you expect the winner to kind of just get to be the de facto number one contender for the uh pancras lightweight title um i'm not sure how that's gonna go uh to be honest um because we have uh, uh, an interim lightweight. Oh yes, 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 Just crowned. So oh yes, and... yeah. I forgot, you know, because the whole thing that threw me off was the weight class. So I forgot that the because it was a feather. It was, they all went up and they did the one the one championship thing. So that's why I forgot that the lightweight championship thing happened. Sorry about that. Of course, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, because. Of course, uh, Matsumoto fought uh, our champion, our Pancras champion, uh, Takasuke Kume, yeah. uh, in one. Um, and it was an incredible fight. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's, it's well worth a watch. Um, so, yeah, that, that, uh, that went down. Now Matsumoto's making his Pancras debut. Um, and, uh, yeah, Waysako's been... Well, Waysako's always hungry. I mean, this, this guy, he's, uh, he's got no, no stopping him. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like the other uh, one, the other mo notable matches on the card, uh, apart from the Komei event, will be Issei Tamura taking on Akira Okada. Tamura, uh, basically a mainstay in Pancras, one of the top guys. Anything you can tell us about that fight? Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a very good fight. Uh, it's just before the Komei event, so it's the eighth bout on the card. Um, Tamura, as you know, he's he's fought in the UFC. Um, He's uh, a former uh, featherweight King of Pancras champion. Mm -hmm. um, he's he's not tall, mm -hmm. but he's incredibly powerful. I mean, he, he punches and kicks uh, like a tank. Um, when he when they went to war with uh, Argentinian, uh, who's based in Brazil, uh, Nazareno Malangari, um, to unify the belt. Um, he lost that match uh, to Malangari. However, he he put Malangari out for a long time. He with, with, his, with his low kick early in the first round, he blasted his knee uh, and uh, forced the Argentinian to, to take surgery after the fight and, and he was out for a while. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about a guy here who is uh, he's dangerous. I mean, he, he'll, he'll put you away at any opportunity. Um, really, really hard kicker, hard puncher. Um, and, and then you've got um, almost the, the mirror version of him, except with, with, with the punching. Um, Akira, uh, who's dropped a weight class, and in my opinion, he's looking much better uh, at this weight class um, because he's also not very tall, but he was—he's he's very bulky. You know, I mean, the guy is—he's uh, yoked. Um, 
and he and he and he hits hard. I mean, I I spoke to Andy Bain some time ago, and he, he told me that Akira is Akira punched him probably the hardest he's ever been punched. Oh wow! So um, yeah, uh, this is going to be a, a, a an explosive fight, a very explosive fight. Um, now, now for me, the uh, real the real main event of the entire card is. I can't believe I'm, I'm saying his name. We got uh, in bout number four, welterweight, Yuki Kondo, 61-36-9, taking on Yutaka Kobayashi. I cannot believe that I'm still saying 2020 that Yuki Kondo is fighting in this decade. It, I, I think... I mean, basically, Andrew, you're probably more amazed at the fact that this is fourth decade fight. Yeah, I... I think, 2000s, 20 teens, and now here we are in the 2020s, and we're still talking about Yuki Kondo fighting for a living. <laughs> what can you tell about, about this? I, I guess a milestone fight. Every fight that he's fighting is a milestone, but yeah, let's talk, talk about Kondo fighting in 2020. It's, it's, yeah, it, it really is incredible. I mean, how many people can say that? There's obviously, there's, there's a number of legends in the sport who have fought into their 40s successfully and uh, you know they've, t- they've taken some hard losses uh, in, in their latter years but they've done stuff that younger guys can't do and have never done you know it's just um, it's very difficult to imagine uh, that kind of lifestyle um, and constantly fighting um, for that length of time mm-hmm. um, I, I trained with uh, Yuki Kondo back in uh, 2002, 2003, I guess. Um, strictly striking at the time, um, we were <clears throat> we were training together with um, Hiroki Kurosawa, who is a Kyushin Karate legend uh, who fought in K1 out here. Um, He's not with us anymore, rest in peace. But um, we trained uh, every Saturday together. And um, there was another couple of Pankers guys that joined. But um, Yuki Kondo was, was there and I, I got to train with him. And I wasn't that used to kickboxing with Southpaws at that time. I, I, I'd, um, I'd wrestled and grappled with a lot of Southpaws, but not... Um, not, not done any striking so uh, I learned a lot um, training with him and um, even back then he just he's, he's always been very consistent he's so nice uh, he's so easy to get along with um, he'll adjust his level of training to how he feels it's going with you so there's a, there's a kind of unspoken um professionalism there which I, I, I hugely uh, appreciate and it's it's quite rare and it certainly was quite rare back then um, so yeah I had some fantastic sessions uh, training with him then and, and and this was you know the early 2000s and, and, and you know my, my career is done and dusted uh, <laughs> 10 years ago and he's he's still going at it you know it's it's phenomenal uh, so where does so he wins his fight he gets a 62 62- 62nd win and uh and where where does someone like that go i mean i 
what would like? Because you yeah, listen. Let's be honest. Most people they want to be champion for whatever organization they are. I don't know if that's in Yuki Kondo's mind. If he's if he's just fighting for fun if it now. Wasn't in, if it wasn't in Travis Fulton's mind, it's damn sure not in Yuki Kondo's mind. <laughs> the same so, goes for Manoa Man too. <laughs> so, so yeah, like what yeah. would? Well, yeah. What is like next for a guy like that who who's based? Yeah, he's done it all. How do you? How do you? How do you? Where else do you go? Yeah, yeah. Well, Christian nailed it there. I mean, these guys that they're doing it for the love of it, they 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 don't care about belts anymore. If I mean, if he managed to get a run at uh, a Pancras belt again, he would. Um, of course, he would take it. But uh, he's just happy to fight. I mean, that, that's his life. Um, he trains, he fights, and uh, and he loves it. He doesn't know anything different, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what I see is super fights, you know. Um, it doesn't have to be legend versus legend, but um, this is a good start with uh, Yutaka Kobayashi. You know, his, his brother Isao Kobayashi is uh, um, already champion, uh, featherweight champion in Pancras. Um, uh, Yutaka himself uh, has got a, a you know a lengthy record. Um, he's uh, He's a veteran in his own right. So, yeah, these kind of uh, super fights are, are, are great because the, the, the fans get to see their, their favorite fighters, um, but they don't have to see them uh, get utterly smashed by a, a 22-year-old um, number two or three spot title contender. <laughs> uh, the, the other question, I, I've been meaning to ask this because I, I, don't, I don't know where to start with this. But uh, on every pancreas show, and this one no no different, I see two people, uh, two fighters, who are from this team called Team. Is it pronounced Date? Date? Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I thought it was Date originally when I first read it, but it is Date. Okay, what is the story behind this team? And I'm assuming that they are not all part of the same family. Obviously, yeah. you obviously are that there are so many people with that last name. It's kind of like a kickboxing camp in Thailand. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's very mysterious. It's it's uh, cloaked in in the mystery of uh, a striking art um, taught uh, by the Maharaja, I believe. It's an Indian uh, striking art, um, and. Uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of mis- mystery surrounding them. I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of them, and a whole bunch of females, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, women fighters in that uh, mix as well. So, uh, yeah, um, they've they got their own style. A lot of them don't have also traditional Japanese names, even though they are Japanese. Like, one is named Karen? Karen? Dates? Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's true, but Karen is actually, there, there is a Japanese translation of that, so um, it, it, having a, a, a real Japanese first name is Karen, Karen. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. It okay. is, yeah, it is doable, um, although it sounds Western, it's, um, there's a few names like that, and, and actually that's what I did with my, my kids, they have uh, both Western and Japanese sounding names. With, okay, uh, gotcha. You can write them in the characters, you know. Okay. Well, sorry, going back to this to this mysterious day, day team, is there anything that you could tell us? Anything 
So they're, they're, they're trained by Maharaja, you said? No, not by Maharaja, but uh, in the lineage of uh, some, some kind of um, royal Indian martial arts style. <laughs> um, I, uh, I haven't been to see them train, but um, I guess it's, it's, it's got to happen sooner or later. I've got to find out more about it. I, I feel like this is something, the way you describe me, I feel like you're going to be put, they're going to put a blindfold on you and you're going to go <laughs> in a van and like, uh, like Cabo Chico or something. And you're going to like, yeah. it's going to be, you're going to have to like knock on a door like three times or something and give a yeah. package. It, it, it seems so mysterious from the way you're describing it. I'm almost, I'd almost say if you offered, I would say, say no, thank you. No, thank you. you uh, the the <laughs> offer is appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, um, we can tell you, but we'll have to kill you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but what, it's tell, more into secrecy or something. Uh, which fight on the on the 319 card are you looking forward to the most, uh, Stuart? Uh, yeah, that's a difficult one. There's, there's Obviously, there's a few. Um, there's more than one for me. Um, I, I do like to see uh, Jeitaro Takita, Masaya Takita. He's a, he's a old school, Bajutsukeishu guy guy um you know his his fight record is slightly heavier in the losses than the wins but i mean we're talking about a guy that's uh, fought 40 times um so you know he's been on the circuit for a long time he's so much fun and he's an incredible grappler and he's taken on this um uh, the outsider champion coming in uh Asami for the first time um making his, his Pancras debut. So that's um, that, that could be quite interesting uh, to see how that goes down. But uh, yeah, to be honest, overall, the, the main event has my attention, um, which is not always the case. Um, but this time, for sure, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how the fight between Uesako and uh, Matsumoto plays out. As a commentator, I'm curious to know, and... You know, it's not something we don't, we really, it's really a thing here uh, in Western MMA just because a lot of people don't have like under 500 records uh, or something like that. But how, when you are commentating and you see that somebody has like a, 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 a like a, a, an under 500 record, how do you, what do you think about how do you sell them as somebody that the audience should, should take seriously as, as a competitor? Because uh, normally you think, oh no, under five hundred record, they can't be that good. They're they're whatever. So how do you how, what do you find in someone like that and sell them to yeah, your audience? It, it can be difficult sometimes, but um, overall, because fight record numbers are, are not such a they're not such a, a thing out here. It's more about how present yourself, how you fight, the heart you show, mm-hmm. um, the story that your uh, career has made is, is much more important out here. So it's always, I find, easier to find positives um, about about these guys because um, there's always something uh, good about them, you know, there's always something good that you can find uh, about a fighter. Um and you just have to, you just have to dig. You just got to have a look at uh, what they've done and how they are as a person. And, and uh, yeah, there's there's always something there. I, I really don't find it a task at all. Do you think that uh, Western MMA, 
particularly, you know, UFC, Bellator. Actually, not even Bellator. Bellator, not so much. But particularly UFC, do you think, do you think the records are dwelled on too much and rankings and that just it kind of almost hinders the product in a way? Yeah, records and numbers are, are very important. Um, there's no escaping that. Mm-hmm. Uh, numbers speak for themselves. Um, the evidence is there. But um, often when you dig a little bit deeper, you know, if you've got a guy coming in eight and oh, well, well, who are the eight guys he beat uh, and how did he beat them? Um, so it, it really doesn't mean too much because the, there's so many regional shows that guys can easily build a, a five and oh or six and oh or whatever record um, to, to look good. And when actual fact they take a, a slight step up in competition and they get absolutely embarrassed. Um, so, you're, yeah, I have to agree with you there. There's sometimes too much weight uh, put by casual fans on the internet on, on these numbers. You know, this guy's 5-1, and one, this guy's 6-0. and oh. uh, It's like, well, what does that really mean? You've got to dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically what it means is when it comes down to that type of system, it's kind of similar to how it is over here in the United States with American football, more particularly college football, where you have oh, some of the best teams play in some of the best conferences. And if you play in a lower-ranking school or a lower-ranking conference, you don't really get that much interest. So basically... If you're like a big-time fighter or you want to fight in the UFC, you obviously need to realize that you better get that high-ranking record. You better be knocking out people left, right, and center. Otherwise, if your fights end in a decision, well, if your fights end in a decision or if they turn out to be lackluster, you don't get interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot more factors at play than just the numbers. Uh, I we'll go into a question from a fan. Uh, since we'll finish up the pancreas talk, actually, he's got three. He's got three things. So uh, I'm just gonna ask, ask, put them all out there. Uh, this is from C2. And who is the person asking these questions, by the way? C2 King Seal 24, our good friend. Uh, he, oh well, he wants you to first know that the Rise audio is a half a second delay, and maybe you could tell Fight TV that. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell them or whatever, but that's what that's what he said. I didn't notice it. Um. Uh, it's probably better to, t- to tag them. Yeah, at Mark Fight TV, let them know. <laughs> um, he wants to know, is, is Pancras done with uh, one? Because I know that they had some sort of relationship before, but is it still a thing, or is it just kind of not unofficial, I guess? Yeah, the, plan, the, the contract there is uh, officially finished. Um, it was originally a three-year contract, and it wasn't under the same terms and conditions as it, as it was with Shuto, as, as some people were confused about. Everybody thought that it was exactly the same deal, uh, Pancras champions and, um, you know, number one and two, two rankers would um, automatically get a, a chance or a contract with, with one championship. And that was never the case. There was, there was, um, there was always a bit of flexibility there. Um, as you can see with uh, the likes of Takasuke Kume, who... You know, he fought um, Matsumoto, uh, who's fighting this Sunday in, in one championship, champion versus champion, uh, last year in uh, one century. 
uh, but now he's gone on to, to Ryzen. So, um, yeah, there, there's always been a bit more flexibility there with the Packers guy. But uh, because of, well, one thing and another uh, this year, um, that three year, original three-year contract uh, has uh, been cut. Mm-hmm. And actually, speaking of Ryzen, his second question is, he wants to know the story behind why you haven't worked for Ryzen yet. So... Whatever you want to tell us, whatever you feel comfortable, you're more than welcome to go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, well, as you guys probably know, um, you know, when Ryzen started up um, and then was bringing in commentary, um, <clears throat> it was subpar. Um, There's a, a couple of absolute disasters in there. That they brought in. Um, I don't want... <laughs> quite a few. There's quite a few. Many names, but uh, yeah, one one was play by play, another was color, and uh, yeah, just disastrous. And um, they they knew it, but um, I at that stage I contacted um, Ryzen uh, directly. Actually, I went straight to the top, um, and um, and I got a sit down, and uh, I explained myself, um, you know, who I, where I'm from, what what I do, and uh, what I can bring to the product. And uh, they they said, uh, okay, we'll we'll um, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it, and we'll we'll let you know. Um, so the next thing. Um, There was an announcement on Twitter about the commentary team coming up. Um, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I was I was a little bit <laughs> a little bit disappointed that the lack of professionalism there. Um, however, I can't blame it entirely on professionalism because there's peers within the organisation, and, and and obviously there's certain decisions that are made at the top, and there's other decisions made further down so there may have been a, a, a lack of communication there but finding out the result of my sit down via twitter really told me everything i needed to know um they don't care and um, they want to do their own thing i understand that they want to brand their own way they don't want a, a pancreas guy so to speak um, they want to have their own image and brand I, I understand that but the, the fact is uh, they've not chosen very well um, and it's been subpar and I believe they should really have a much higher level uh, of uh, commentary team um, on, on their broadcasts uh, because it's it's such a great product um, and when you say when you saying broadcast you mean English uh, specifically English commentary right Yes, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I know that they had uh, uh, on commentary one time uh, the, the Japanese celebrity guy. Um, the guy who's... Gakt. yes, yes. And I know you weren't a fan. I, I remember seeing you on social media. You were not a fan of, the, of, them, of him on commentary, I think. Oh, no, it was terrible. And, and it wasn't because of him as such, because obviously, I, well, I don't know the guy. I never met the guy. Um... So, you know, it's nothing against his character. It, it was the fact that I, I know they would have to pay him a huge amount of money to show. 
because he doesn't even live in Japan. He's not based in Japan anymore. Oh, oh okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I believe he's out in Kuala Lumpur or something. <laughs> but um, that's not the issue. The fact, the fact is, he's a household name. So to get him on commentary, uh, I mean, you're, you're, as I said in my tweet, I can't even remember it right now, but it was definitely sucking money from the fighters' pay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that that didn't sit well with me. But you know, having him on is, is no 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 problem for me because yeah. it's, it's it's good to have you know for the for the casual audience, the household audience, to have somebody they know giving uh, uh, very general observations about about the fight they see. Mm-hmm. So that, that part basically putting, in, basically putting in their two cents, so to speak, even though they don't shit about the sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was the problem um, with the Japanese audience. Not only were his his well, not only was his commentary superficial, uh, people noticed how superficial it was and <laughs> and complained about it. You know, um, so you know if if the general public uh, are complaining about it, then it, it kind of says something. Um, and he came out publicly after that, saying, you know, he really felt that he shouldn't be doing that kind of job. He wasn't qualified for it. So I've got to give it to him. He was honest. Well, you know, on behalf of Christian, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we hope that Rise and whatever, hopefully they change their, their, their whatever stance on you or whatever, because right now they have no English commentary. And so... And the last time before that, we had a guy in Matt Stryker who was doing commentary pretty much from his bathroom. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. So yeah, hopefully they change the stance and you can do that because you know they. I can tell you for a fact they, they definitely have lost a lot of goodwill with the English audience, especially now that they have, don't have any commentary. And yeah, you could, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, honestly, I would I would love to help hype their uh, their organization uh, because it's it's a carry on from it's a knockover from from Pride. Yeah. Um, the vibe is there. The feelings there. The big match feel. The atmosphere it's it's all there um but the international broadcast commentary has been pretty much an afterthought for them and um, it, it would be good um i, I really don't care if, if they do call me but um they need to get some quality commentary in there because you know this stuff lasts forever <laughs> mm. or at least some some commentary now because they don't have any english commentary anyway so they don't it's, it's, it's now nothing it's now just japanese commentary and, um, but yeah. Uh, but it's not like we can't get hyped off of either way. I mean, it sucks the fact that they didn't give much of a chance to the guys that, you know, came in obviously before Striker and Frank Trigg and Joe Ferraro, but still, they pretty much helped hype up, you know, rising for everybody. And now there is no hype behind it other than the fact that you get to see it in Japanese whenever they do have an event, mm-hmm. when the damn thing airs the day of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much watch it in Japanese um, or on TV uh, anyway. But, um, to, well, to qualify, uh, I do regard Frank Trigg very highly. I, I think he's, um, he's, uh, he's great in that position. And with the right um, play-by-play, uh, the right partnership, um, it would be fantastic. So um, yeah, I have no, I have no, um, no grief with uh, Frank at all. I think he's he does do a good job. 
I do think he did a good job as well. There are times though where he was where he would absolutely just I I, I could never explain it. Where he just would hate some fighter for some reason, and he would just like anything they tried, he would just dismiss. And it was something I just never figure out. It was like I don't know what happened. Like with some fighters, he just didn't like for whatever reason, and it really that's when it bothered me. That's when because you're not yeah. selling, you're not selling the fighter, and it's becoming. Now I'm just pressing mute because you're 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 making you're getting me angry. If I remember correctly, Andrew, wasn't it because of the fact that he hated a guy or a girl for being too cocky or too arrogant? There was one guy, uh, yeah, something like that, and I don't know. It was it it just seemed very odd. It just seems like it just seemed like random that he would hate certain fighters. Um, it's uh, yeah, you have to remember it's it's not always easy for humans to be objective all the time. Mm. Uh, bias and uh, uh, the beliefs that we already hold um, in ourselves um, so yeah I can't really criticize people too, some people too harshly for not being consistently objective it's not an easy thing to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now moving on uh, probably the show I am looking forward to the most because I have yet to not to, uh, to see a bad quintet show this the Quintet coming up. Quintet Fight Night Five. Yeah. It looks fucking awesome. Excuse my language. It looks. Fucking... We already cursed enough. <laughs> so we got we got four teams and two uh, two I guess special singles matches. We got Super yeah so Team Car Carpe Diem, t uh, Team Wolf, Team Tokoro, and Team One Hundred. Um, and I gotta ask this, Stuart. Why will Team Tokoro win? Because they are clearly the ones who have the best guys on the the, the most awesome team. Why will they win? <laughs> yeah, well, in my personal opinion, have, yeah, I think they're gonna win. Very good chance of winning. Um, when you've got guys like uh, Hideo Tokoro himself, um, who's just a workhorse. I mean, the guy doesn't stop. Um, he'll he'll look for a submission. Uh, if that doesn't work, you'll capitalize on the free limb that you leave as you're off balance defending that first submission he attempted. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, himself, um, yeah, incredible to watch. Uh, just, just keeps going. Then you've got Imanari. Uh, I mean, the name itself is connected to the, the Imanari role. Which uh, interestingly, Tokoro went for uh, back in Quintet One. Um, didn't get the the leg, but got the armbar straight off it, and it was just mm -hmm. a highlight reel, you know. Um, uh, Nakamura, Daisuke Nakamura. Um, he's another one. He's 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 a chain wrestler. He'll he'll keep going from one thing to the other, and he'll probably eventually catch you with an armbar. So. Um, yeah, another really exciting guy. So yeah, uh, they're the way. The, the recent addition of Kanehara. Yeah. As well. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever? It's, um, sorry, I was gonna. Ask, do you ever expect Tokoro to return to MMA, or has he said that he's done with MMA at this point? Is he just like a full time? Uh, no, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Um, uh, probably uh, some big, uh, big shows. I would imagine. Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, he, I don't think he's done with MMA yet. 
uh, for and also for Team Tokoro, you know, I don't want to get leave him out. But uh, out of all the names, he's probably the the least well known out of all of, of the of the five. Uh, Naoki Kotani. What can you tell us about him? I think the Naoki Kotani. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Now, Naoki Kotani. Yeah, yeah. He's um. Well, yeah, he's another guy that's been around for days. A uh, ton of experience. Um, he has a judo background. Um, trains with the rodeo style team who have been producing uh, fighters uh, for, for years now, MMA fighters for years now. Um, the former Zest lightweight champion. Um, yeah, the guy's a stud and uh, not to be slept on. Mm -hmm. And then uh, second Especially considering the fact that he fought in the UFC before. Yeah, massive, massive experience there. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's got that that old man strength, you know, uh, <laughs> thirty eight years old, um, and and he's, you know, he's been there, done that, and and he's he's not going to be easy to finish. Uh, second team we have is Team Wolf: Michiro Omigawa, Shichiro Ito, Shinji Morito, Masato Uchishiba, and Grant Bogdanove. Is that his last name? Bogdanove? Bogdanove? I was actually wondering that myself. I've never met the guy, and I need to meet him and ask him how to pronounce his name before we do the broadcast. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have to double check that. What can you tell us about the team of, obviously, Omigawa? You know, probably, you know, uh, I think, uh, didn't he, um, I know he teaches judo. Um, is it, what, does he have any, was he an fighter as well at some point? Omigawa, oh, yeah, yeah, very long, yeah. Career and, mm. and uh, in the latter stages of his career, he did a lot of kickboxing and, and shoot boxing. Um, he's, I think, he's the same age as myself. Yeah, he's he's, he's forty four this year. Um, so he's yeah, he's been around the block. And I, I worry about the, the damage that he's taken in, in MMA. But Quintet's great for him because uh, because of his judo background and, and his uh, his uh, fast grappling skills. Um, yeah, it's always good to see him in action. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, for the second team that we have, we have. Team... Oh, interestingly. Oh, sorry. sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you. go ahead. Um, interestingly, uh, Omigawa is the judo teacher of my broadcast uh, partner this time. Uh, there's a new guy coming in called Mark Pickering. Ah, yes, uh, I know. I know Mark very well. We we talked about. It. He told me that that it's his judo teacher as well. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that there's an interesting link there. Yeah. Um, uh, team one hundred. We got the, 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 the always great Kao Uno, Kenichi Ito, Shoki Higuchi, Kohei Yasumi, and Tohi Yasu Sagai. Uh, Sagai. Um, what can you tell us about this team, other than, you know, Kao Uno is one of the most awesome grapplers in the world? Yeah, well, yeah, Kao Uno, is, his name speaks for itself. I mean, the guy, is, he's done so much for the sport. He's inspired a, a, a whole... He's inspired probably two generations of fighters, to be honest, mm -hmm, if we're mm -hmm. being honest here. Um, UFC veteran, uh, former Shuto champion, um, he's, he's competed in ADCC um, last century, um, took second place. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's outstanding in, in himself. Um, as far as the rest of the team goes, Kenichi Ito, actually, I know fairly personally from my training at uh, Alliance. Uh, I used to train free, and a lot of the heavyweights trained at Alliance uh, under uh, Tsuyoshi Kosaka, TK, uh, mm -hmm. back in the day. 
Um, so we're talking like, like Fujita, um, Hirotaka Yokoi, who fought uh, um, in, in Pride. Um, a lot of big guys, a lot of heavyweights uh, who trained there over the years. And, and I, I knew Ito from there, although because we're different weight classes, we very rarely rolled together. I mean, it was a couple of times we rolled together, and he's, he's a really small guy and he's super fast. But um, yeah, the, the, the size and weight difference meant that uh, we didn't train together a whole lot. But uh, he's, been, uh, he's been working hard for years now. Um, and he was out in the States after, I believe it was after Quintet 3, he stayed and, uh, and did some training there. And he went on to do the, the, the Naga World Grappling Championships uh, there. But he's also another well, older guy, same age as me as well, uh, but a ton of experience. Um, uh, the other guy, Kohei Yasumi, um, he's, uh, yeah, incredibly strong. His MMA career is, is, is nothing really to speak of, uh, but he's an incredibly powerful grappler. Um, uh, so, yeah, expect uh, a display of power from him and then on Tuesday week. The last team we have is Team Carpe Diem uh, with Masahiro Iwasaki, uh, the returning Tomoshige Sera, Daisuke Shiraki, Tomoyuki Hashimoto, and Mazaki Takura. 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 Uh, and, uh, I mean, Sarah's been around for, you know, I think, how many, he's done a few quintet shows, if I think, if I remember correctly. Um, he has, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Sarah's been around for a while. And, uh, so yeah, what can you tell us about this team? Uh, well, um, they're the they're the ones that the focus is on because um, of all the fight night events, the quintet fight night events, they they they've won them. Yeah. Um, so they've been unbeatable. Uh, so everybody's after them. It's a it's a head hunting mission. Uh, Sarah, um, yeah, he recently fought um, uh, Shinya Aoki in a grappling match. Quite interesting to watch. Um, I think yeah, the wasn't that for one. I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it was one of the one of the smaller one shows. Um, but Iwasaki himself, the the well, the, the so-called team leader in this uh, case, uh, incredibly strong guy. I mean, everybody who rolls with him says. This guy is, is, is unfeasibly strong. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, expect great things from him. Um, and Hashimoto, actually, he's one of my personal favorites because he's he's one of those guys like Gio Martinez. He's really small and, 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 and slightly built, uh, but he makes up for that in impeccable techniques and the way he moves and then how he thinks his way through a fight. So, uh, yeah, keep your eye on Hashimoto. He's, uh, he's an exciting one. I, I, I love, what I like about the whole team aspect is the strategy behind it. So, uh, just to let everybody know, also, there's there's rules that with it. I think um, I think if the two competitors are above, one is above, like, um, uh, it's like shorter, shorter time limit if the person is like 30 or 40 pounds or something on the other person, something like that. Uh, That's right, yeah. Um, this is not the open weight uh, version. Um, this is the, the, the lighter weight guys. Oh. So, um, 
yeah, there's not going to be huge differences in, in weight. It's certainly not 20 kilos, but um, they do have the option uh, of a, a four or an eight minute round if uh, if the opponent is um, over, or Craigie, what is it in the, in the lightweight? Six kilos, eight kilos? Something like that for, for this version, the, mm. the, the fight night version. Because I like that, because the strategy with this whole thing, this whole team is, so, you know, um, ideally, you know, you think, oh, you know, what? let's put Imanari in first, because he's maybe the best guy in the team. He could probably steamroll through everybody, but then it makes a slight chance that he loses or does not go forward, it, it draws, you just lost your best guy. I like that strategy. Who do you, Or, you know what, uh, maybe his, let's say his cardio isn't good. Can he do five matches? After is is he gonna gas out the second? I love that there's a whole strategy behind who goes who who you pick first or and you know who's the best guy to go first. I love that. I really love that team aspect and just like figuring yeah. out who's how do how do you maneuver you know going through something like this this whole yeah. tournament team grappling style. Yeah, yeah, that that's one of the fascinations the of Quintet the the that factor in the strategy um, it can change everything um, and it, it, it doesn't mean anything if you put out uh, Josh Barnett first uh, and you have somebody who can shut him down and survive without stalling mm-hmm. I know, well, you know the, uh, the I, I remember the best thing I ever saw I have to tell you this uh, was uh, the uh, ladies uh, quintet uh, when you had the uh, oh, oh yeah so um, super exciting I'm trying to remember I think um Oh my God! I'm trying to remember the, the team. Uh, whichever uh, um, Sarah McMahon was on uh, team. Um, uh, I apologize for getting, but uh, before that, there was um, a Japanese. There was a Japanese grappler, forgetting her name, who was just going through everybody, going for everybody. Sarah McMahon comes on. She looks like a monster compared to to this lady. Sarah McMahon just gets pushed into guillotine, wipes her out, and you think, Oh my God! McMahon's gonna is just gonna go through everybody now. Then McMahon yeah. gets tapped out by I'm forgetting what her name is again. Sorry, it's it's 7 a.m. here and my mind's not is not properly working. So, but yeah, I just love that also just because. I think you might have to go through the results of that show again if you're forgetting all the names. If you if you want to look them up, Christian, you're more welcome to go but uh, to look them up. But um, I just love that as well because even the size doesn't matter. You we have seen yeah. people that are. That are bigger, like you know the Gordon Ryan, uh, Josh Barnett match, and you got, I kind of figured that that's the one guy that would have something on Gordon Ryan is Josh Barnett, uh-huh. but no, Josh Barnett got tapped out with a triangle, no less. But so yeah, just the size doesn't even necessarily mean anything in a tournament like this. If it's you still, can survive, that's it. Yeah, it's all about the team and how you play the strategy. Yeah, for sure. Um. I, I, Guys, got, can you give me just one second? I'll, I'll be back in oh, just a second. Yeah, for sure. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Uh-huh. And I am looking through the Quintet Fight Night 3 results right now. It happened back on April 7, 2019 at the Arena Tachikawa Taichihi. And I think the teams you were talking about, it was BJJ Kunoichi team, the team of Mikaku Yuasa, Yori Ichigo, Nanami Ichikawa, Yuki Tsukiyuchi, and Akiko Sawada. Mm-hmm. The Sun Chiarella team. That's the team, yeah. Oh, yeah, Sun Chiarella. 
Miu Yamamoto, Mika, I mean, Mika Nagano, Megumi Sugimoto, Miyu Ikemoto, and Sarah Man, Team Deep Jewels, Tomobai Sawa, Emi Tomimasu, King Reina, mm-hmm. Yukari Nape, and Hikaru Aono, and Team Temp Planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just, Yeah. I mean, you were talking about... Yuasa, that's the one who I'm thinking of. Versus one of the members of Team BJJ Kunoichi, right? I think so. I think it was Yuasa was the one that uh, that uh, uh, tapped her out, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, but there's two single special uh, singles matches going up. Uh, and let's talk about the first one. Uh, Haisam Rita taking on Igor Fat Ninja Tanabe. First of all, Fat Ninja is one of the most awesome yeah. nicknames I've ever heard before. But um, Fat Ninja, this is also his return <laughs> to Quintet as well. Um, I, I think, uh, has he had singles matches or has he been part of the team? Um, uh, uh, I've, I've seen him call... Tanabe. Tanabe, yeah, Tanabe. Has he been a... Uh, uh, Tanabe, yeah, he's, he was on a team before, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so, and... Uh, yeah, tell us about... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Oh, Sorry. Uh, we'll tell, let's talk about this singles match. Um, and uh, what do you think about this match uh, that's coming up uh, between these two? Oh, I love it. And I loved it as soon as it was announced. Um, not just because I, I know both of the guys and, and, and how how well they they put their duties together in, in a competition scenario, but the fact that uh, they've already fought uh, was it last week? Uh, in the Gi, in, in another smaller uh, uh, competition. So they, they, they've had a single match in the Gi already. And, and this is uh, basically the follow-up uh, on a much bigger stage uh, without the Gi. Um, and the quintet rules, which changes things again. You know, it's an extra dynamic. So, yeah, this is fascinating from, from both of those point, points of view. The fact that they've already faced each other and uh, the, the new rule set. Mm-hmm. Actually, speaking of the rules for Quintet, one thing I want to get your thoughts on is, uh, I guess, is activity. Um, when I watch Quintet's effect, I am amazed by the fact that if you even rest or like don't even move for about two, two or three seconds, the referees will get on your ass. Does that... Is yeah, that... Yeah. I, I mean, I usually I'm like, oh yeah, we need more action, but I'm almost... I'm almost starting to think, oh my god, these, these referees are almost too harsh making these fights. So sometimes you want to think, you know, about your next move and all that stuff. What do you think about that? The referees are are on their asses telling them the... the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, sometimes they can be and sometimes it can be a bit harsh because uh, anybody who uh, knows the grappling arts and, and has done any of the grappling arts knows that it... it Often takes time to work a position, to yeah. work a, a submission, um, to to chain your submissions. Um, it is not easy. So that added pressure of looking like you're not attacking, looking like you're stalling, looking like you're being inactive, um, is is real uh, when it comes to quintet. Um, but at the end of the day, you know the the, the rule set was born from Sakuraba. And the, the concept was very clear. The rules were for the fans, for the audience, 
not for the fighters. The jujitsu rules are, are generally for the fighters. You know, you can uh, get a, a good position and, uh, and ride it out and win on points. Um, but in quintet, it doesn't work like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's a very fine line between, you know, having the back position, which is one of the most dominant positions in grappling, um, and not doing anything with it or not appearing to do anything with it. So um, I, I kind of feel both sides of the, the, the coin there, you know, the, the fighters, they do need a little bit of time sometimes to work things. But again, it goes back to Sakuraba, who's very clear, uh, you know, if you're going for an armbar and it's not happening, the onus is on you to switch it up. UFC Fight Pass next Tuesday. It'll be up live. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Uh, it won't be there. Won't be any tape delay or anything for Fight Pass. No, it's it's live as far as I know. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Uh, and uh, the last show we're going to talk about is the upcoming Rise Osaka show. Um, and the thing I have to say is my favorite female kickboxer now is Sasori. Why is Sasori the most <laughs> awesome kickboxer in the? I have th- this. Everything she it works. She she makes that whole gimmick, if you want to call it, work. What did you uh-huh. when you saw her for the first time? What did you think about this? Also, here's the other thing as well. She doesn't give her age. Nobody knows what her age is. Um, she comes out wearing a uh, black hat, black. She looks like kind of like Carmen San Diego um, <laughs> from the uh, from the children's game show, but instead of red, she wears all black. Um, She's got tattoos, so she already looks different from all the other Japanese. What do you think about this Sasori character? Oh, she's a manga character. Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a a, 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 a computer game character. Yeah, and um, 
than just a gimmick, as she, as you said. I mean, uh, when when you see how she fights, and uh, I mean, she's she's punching and being punched and laughing. I saw. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, she's smiling and laughing yeah. as she's doing this. Oh well, I was Kate. I was sorry. I was, I, I, sorry, question. Go ahead. Sorry. I was saying she's probably a glutton for punishment. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're being honest, Christian, you know, a lot of fighters do have um, a certain degree of sadism and masochism in them uh, to, to varying degrees. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, she clearly enjoyed what she was doing. I, I, I was ringside for that, obviously. Um, and I, and I, because of my view, I didn't have to use the monitor very much, and, and I could hear her. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, she's laughing and, and talking and saying stuff, and, and uh, <laughs> as as the fight goes on, and and you know, she's not resting, as you know. I mean, she was blasting forward the whole time. Um, so yeah, I mean, she's uh, she's obviously very very exciting, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of fresh air. It's uh, it's good to see a bit of also a bit of color, a bit of flavor. Uh, she's part of the Queen of the Rings uh, uh, tournament. What after they had uh, the uh, her and um, the uh, the the two uh, Hinata Teriyama speak, uh, what she didn't speak. Sorry, she had her manager speak for her, who was by the way is also dressed as the Bruce Lee character from Game of Death, I think it was, or yeah. Kill Bill for those that don't know Bruce Lee uh, as yeah. uh, Uma Thurman wearing the yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, I, I doesn't know Bruce Lee. Come yeah. Oh, yeah. What? So when you saw, like, we, we, I mean, what do you think of, the, of that whole thing? Just like her having somebody speak for her, They're, like whispering. She, she was whispering to him, and then he would say what I'm assuming what she would tell him. I've never seen yeah, that before. Yeah. I never seen yeah, that before. Well, in my question sports. there would be, uh, you know, how far does the gimmick go, and how far is she really hiding her identity to some extent? Uh, it's it's quite it's quite interesting and, and uh, yeah uh, it, it's it's original you know it's 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 her she's doing her thing and um, yeah people I mean, seem to like it the so whole, it's, it's the working. whole the whole thing about her hiding her identity I don't think I don't know if becoming a kickboxer and being on Bima TV is if you want to hide your identity is the best course of action especially <laughs> as you win matches and you get higher. Uh, name opponents. I don't know how long you can go hiding true. who you really are. So sorry. True, true. Yeah, well, maybe it's not uh, hiding her identity as much as it's hiding something from the past. Oh, okay. Okay. Ah, that's true. That's true. Um, I know that it happened on the last show, but I still gotta bring it up. Uh, I think probably one of the most... Um, uh, I, I, I couldn't believe that happened. Naoki beating... Taiju Shiratori probably probably won the uh, kickboxing upsets of the year, if if not the last decade. Massive upset, yeah, uh, and it was good to see Shiratori come on social media afterwards and uh, admit that he took him lightly to a certain extent um, and uh, and and lost because he was not the stronger man uh, on the day. I mean, of course, that's that's been particularly humble um, nobody can expect a, a, a cut to, to stop the fight you know um, especially at such an early stage where neither of the two were winning or losing yeah 
I think, yeah, it was, I was shocked, you know, that it happened, but, you know, it made for an interesting main event uh, with uh, Haraguchi, though I think, I think Raj is hoping for Taiju versus Kento, but maybe that'll be, uh, that'll happen down the line at some point, hopefully, for Raj. I think that's kind of the direction they want to go in. Um, yeah, it'll happen sooner or later, yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I, there's there's a thousand fights on the uh, Rise uh, Osaka show, so we'll just go through a few of them. I think the ones that stick out. Uh, and I couldn't believe it when I saw that this fight actually, when I saw the graphic for it, Kan Nakamura taking on Full Swing Yoi in a kickboxing match. His you Full Swing's kickboxing pro debut. Um, how does a fight like that go? Uh, where the MMA fighter goes into the kickboxing. We, into the kickboxing realm. It usually does not end well. So, but full swing kind of just does box for the most part. So in a way, it's kind of, kind of like the best case scenario, I guess you could almost say. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, it goes one way or the other, you know, um, they, they get, uh, they get sent back to their wheelhouse or they, they cause an upset and, uh, and things go from there, you know, um, one thing you've got to remember is um, Roy is uh, he's a Wajid's Keshu Kai Hearts guy. So, uh, I mean, he's training um, with uh, Kenji Osawa and, and a lot of the pros that come there. Um, Hiroto Uesako, um, a, a couple of um, one championship fighters as well. So, uh, it's not like he's lacking in, uh, in training. You know, he's not coming into this uh, cold. Uh, but yeah, it's swings and roundabouts. It can go this way or that way. Mm. Uh, by the way, that's fascinating. Speaking of the hearts, the hearts guys have been busy lately. My God, I think it's every every major Japanese MMA show they or kickbox show they've been on. Uh, they've had at least one representative. Um, so the hearts guys are just they're just pumping out people. They're just pumping out talent. Uh, amazing talent. Uh, one of the other few of the other matches that stick out: uh, Shiro Matsumoto, Seki Uyama. Uh, the shoot boxer Seki Uyama. What do you think about that fight? And how do you think that fight like that goes? Um, we've seen Uyama yeah. do good kickboxing and in straight kickboxing. Um, so yeah, uh, give us your thoughts. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that from the from the aspect of um, you know Shiro fought uh, Tenshin Nakamura last year. Um, uh, he, he he showed some of his skills and he showed that he could he could hang um, but I felt he was holding back a little bit maybe a little bit of stage fright um, I could be wrong uh, but just general nerves uh, I, I don't know um, either way you, you're more than likely going to see a, a much more improved Shiro in this fight um, and he's much less likely to hold back this time, so that's that's going to be the fascinating uh, aspect about this one. I also think it uh, should be mentioned as well uh, that Shiro did go to decision with attention. One of the few people in his pro career to go, and I think I think that says also a lot. Seeing attention finishes like nine out of ten of his opponents, and that Shiro somehow survived, and uh, yeah. just you know didn't look bad. I mean, like obviously attention won that match, but. Shiro didn't look bad, you know, he seemed, he, uh, but I think maybe what you said, you know, was stage fright or something. Um, what about, uh, Uyama, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, guy who does shoot boxing as well. Do you, do you ever see somebody, when somebody goes from shoot boxing to kickboxing, uh, do they adapt very well? Or is it something that they kind of, I don't know, is there like a little, sometimes they sometimes look like they may be too, walking with two left feet, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, there's so many of them now, um, of course. But, uh, you know, traditionally the, the shootboxing guys have a very strong foundation. Their, their foundational skills, their base is, is very, very strong. Um, traditionally, they, they did a lot of uh, basic drills, which mm. means that um, he's not going to be caught out with, with something really simple. You know, uh, low kicks, jabs, uh, stuff like that are not going to be an issue for him. Um, so yeah, that leaves it up to the the, the more nuanced aspect of, of, of kickboxing, how uh, he manages to find angles and, and use speed and power against somebody like Shiro to to put pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And the fight that I am looking forward to the most, um, it's going to be the it will be the, actually the co-main event, Masahiko Suzuki, Rui Ibata. Um, how do you see that fight going, Suzuki? Guys, who you know, if you don't if if you don't get finished, you you're going to come out of that fight badly injured in some way, or you're yeah. it, it, it'll be a fight you regret having. But in Rui Ibata, you know, he's kind of a very a um, very I guess you could say meat and potatoes type of box of kickboxer. He's very technical. He he's smooth and all that stuff. Does he have knockout power? Not so much. But the fact is, he's so technical that he almost doesn't need it. That he can just he can just plow through you three rounds and not even break a sweat. So how do you see that fight going? Yeah, yeah, Ibata is is interesting. Uh, I agree with you. He's he's very bread and butter. Um, but um, he has a he has a very good right hand, um, and never count that out. Um, although trying to put somebody like Suzuki uh, Masahiko Suzuki away with, with with a right hand is, is just not easy. I mean, you, you've seen uh, the damage, the punishment that Suzuki's taken, and, and managed to 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 come through it. Uh, he's he's unbreakable. Um, he reminds me of Haraguchi in some ways, um, maybe not quite the same power, but uh, uh, ferocious. I mean, once he tees off, it's 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 frightening. Mm-hmm. And you know that you know I should also know Masakazuki's kind. He's got got he's got this little cult fan base as well, where uh, that people you know uh, both Western kickboxing fans, and Japanese fans, kind of they just latch on to him. Um, does he? I don't know. Does is there? Does he also like? I don't know. Does he say anything interesting like in his pre-fight or VTRs or anything? Because he seems to have a unique fan base. Um, so yeah, gonna... yeah, yeah. Well, he's another one of these guys that's like uh, kickboxing is not all about tension. Nascala, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. So he, he's uh, he's he's obviously very confident in, in himself and what he does. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's just he's an exciting guy. When he speaks in, in interviews, he's he's very candid and uh, yeah, he, he's all he's an all round exciting fighter. He, he goes out there to finish fights. Um, he's he's not dancing around. He's not playing the points game. He's he's going out there to finish guys.
Yankees. So this is a really, really good matchup. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm personally super excited about this. And uh, speaking of Tetsunatsukawa main event, Tetsunatsukawa versus Yuki. I mean, I normally would say, you know, what does Yuki have that he, that or what does what does an opponent have? But with tension, I always, I always say this: tension is just on this level of like up here, and mostly everybody else is everybody here. Everybody else is down here. Yeah, and I'm not saying that they're bad. It's just that he it's it's like with Floyd Mayweather. They're just on a level of just that nobody else can attain, or that I can't think that nobody else. There's nobody who I can think of currently that that's up that can attain that level that tension has, but. I don't know, Stuart. Go ahead. Does Yuki have anything in his arsenal that can maybe catch tension off guard? Well, yeah. Let's not forget that um, he's his last few fights haven't gone his way. He needs to. He needs some redemption. He's he's got to break this skid. Um, however, the the last guys that he's faced. Um, have not finished him. And uh, when you look at the names of these guys, uh, who was it? Rod, Rod Tang? Rod Tang? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's, he's now in one championship. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, this guy is a, he's a world champion. He's, he's an elite kickboxer. Couldn't finish him. Um, uh, Chang Hong Lee, the Korean guy who um, fought simultaneously in the, the knockout tournament and the Rise World Series last year couldn't finish him, um, and uh, Hector Santiago um, also in in uh, July or last year, which was the second round of the World Series in Osaka, which I didn't commentate, couldn't finish him. So <laughs> when you start to put it into perspective like that, um, okay, he can't be finished, but what does he bring to the table? Um, he, he still brings some uh, dangerous aspects uh, to, to Tenshin Nasukawa. However, Tenshin uh-huh. is on, on that other level. I mean, he's he's always a half beat ahead of his opponents. He's, he's, he's in the matrix. He's able to see things and react to them in a, a, a time zone that his opponents are, are unable to. Now, I look at the... Uh... A young boy playing chess while everybody else is stuck behind playing checkers. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 when you watch the Koji fight that happened in Ryzen recently, and you just realize, yes, it's like it's 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 all it's all it's. Pre- I feel like a lot of his, the opponents try to predict too much what tension does, and that's what bites them because they're thinking, oh, what's tension going to do next? But tension's already done three things already. By the time the opponent's thinking about step about what the first thing is going to happen, so I don't know. So, who, so in your opinion, is and there obviously any... before you even continue, those three things are become a world champion, mm-hmm. become an undefeated kickboxer. Oh, and even though he lost, face Floyd Mayweather. Oh, that's true. Uh, so, but is there anybody in the kickboxing world who you think has? The ability to be competitive with tension at this point—that you, I mean, the obvious thing I can think of is Takaru, but that fight's not going to happen because K one. Is there anybody else besides maybe Takaru who maybe uh, can can put on a the most competitive match with tension at this point? Uh, It would depend at which weight it took 
place. Uh, but yeah, Takeru, Takeru, he's yeah, he's the one that everybody wants to see. Uh, of course, um, that's practically makes the most sense. But it, it's not um, like you said; it's not likely to happen because of the, because of the situation between the organizations. Um, yeah, um, mm. I mean, if he went up, it went up. You know, maybe I don't know. Would he ever be? You think Kenshin and Kento Haraguchi could could happen? Yeah. Yeah, or um, from this Osaka show, um, you know, all, all of these guys, uh, Shiro, uh, Ueyama, um, Kengo, Takuya, um, there's there's going to be somebody coming out the woodwork here, Suzuki, Ebata, um, somebody will come out the woodwork here as, as a legitimate uh, challenger for, for him. I know Suzuki fought tension many many years ago so i guess maybe that could have that could be much more competitive now than it was then uh considering you know, yeah how- yeah yeah I, I don't see why not um things change people evolve um yeah i mean that's we're talking five years ago that happened now um so yeah a lot of changes in that time with with all the fires so yeah keep your eyes on on this next uh this next show and, and what happens after that? Who who steps up after that for, for tension could be quite interesting. Are there any other matches on that Rise show that you think people should look look at that we didn't talk about? Uh, I know you mentioned the Kengo, um, Kengo Takuya, but uh, I, I mean anything that's like that that's, that you well, say look out for these two or this well, guy. Well, yeah, if you want to see a banger, uh, Yamaguchi, uh, Hiroto Yamaguchi. Um, <laughs> he's he's taking on Ryota Nakano, um, so so a welterweight fight, um, which is I believe sixty seven point five kilograms. Um, Yamaguchi is uh, he's one of those guys that he he, uh, he throws caution to the wind. He doesn't care. Um, he's got a really solid chin on him, um, and he knows it, um, and he doesn't mind it if if he loses, you know. Trading blows in the in the phone booth, and and he goes down. Uh, he'll he'll laugh it off and shrug it off, and, and and come back and fight another day. But the fact is, he'll go out there swinging, and he'll go out there uh, with with the heart of a lion. So yeah, that's another one I would definitely watch. Um, yeah. How about uh, for the Queen of the Rings tournament? Who do you have winning? Uh, who do you think it comes down to? That's a difficult one. Uh, well, there's only one answer, and it's a sorry. So I'll, I'll answer that for you. <laughs> I'll answer yeah, that. For you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to deal with her, to deal with her pressure is, is not going to be easy at all. Um, if Terayama can deal with with Sasori Hinata Terayama, if she can deal with that, if she can uh, use the tools she has and and um, come up with a game plan to to deal with that kind of onslaught. Then uh, she has a good chance of winning overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as they've got to fight twice that day, as you know. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, the uh, what's the other the uh, the other uh, Queen of the Rings match? That's uh, uh, the... Ayaka, ah. uh, Hoyuki, Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Is there any particular outcome that you think would be the most interesting kickboxing wise in that in this whole semifinals? Uh, mm. 
Sasori versus anyone. <laughs> She's at that level where it's just against anyone. It's just going to be interesting. Uh, do you... yeah, yeah, it's just so rare to see that, that kind of uh, mental and physical approach to, to a, a, a fight at that weight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for uh, that's for 106 pounds for oh, 105 pounds uh, uh, for anybody that doesn't know. With that, well, and that, and you will be. It's not official yet, but it looks like we can probably look forward to your commentary. Hopefully, yes. Cross yes, fingers. Yes, I'll be there. I'll, oh, okay. I'll be doing it, yeah. Well, uh, guy. Uh, who who is your partner? Uh, for I I I didn't get his name. Uh, uh, for the uh, last show. Yeah. So yeah, interestingly. Um... Because of the situation right now, you know, not many people coming in and out of the country, uh, there was only a few people I could call on, and I, I, I spoke to an old friend of mine, Matthias Lorenzi. He's a, a Swedish guy who fought professional boxing and Thai boxing in, in uh, Thailand, and then came out here originally contracted to Pancras to train their fighters in striking. So I met him at the Peas Lab Pancras Dojo in uh, in the Hiro area of Tokyo, and uh, he invited me along after a, a, a amateur MMA tournament that before that I did before I turned pro. Uh, I met him there. Uh, he invited me along to these training sessions with Hiroki Kurosawa, who I mentioned earlier, um, uh, Kyoshin Karate legend and uh, K1 fighter. Um, so I've known him for years, uh, and uh, he has no broadcast um, experience, but he knows what he's talking about. So I had to, I had to bring somebody in that, that at least knew what they were seeing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Matthias, I think he'll be joining me again. I'm, I'm not sure schedule-wise, but... Oh, that's gonna, I was trying to look him up because I, I kept on hearing the name. I was like, Matthias? Is it Matthias or is it Matthias? And I tried to look up the... It was a, the last name. I had no idea how to spell. So I was just like... I was like desperately trying to... I'm glad no, I know who the na- what the name is now, officially. Yeah. All you needed to know, Andrew, is that he's Swedish, not Italian. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, with that being said... Uh, well, uh, Christian, do you have any last-minute uh, uh, questions for our guests? Well, actually, I have just one. And this is one that I normally add. When it comes down to your career, obviously, Mr. Fulton, not only are you a fighter, not only are you a commentator, but you're also an actor, it seems, because I think you said a few of your films are already on Amazon Prime in Japan, right? Yeah, yeah. I did a, did a small role in a, a rugby uh, documentary type movie last year. Um, Was it sort of like a biopic or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, um, and uh, yeah, it was not my first one, of course, but uh, yeah, I, I dabble in a little bit, a little bit of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. But let's just say, if you weren't involved in the fight world, if you weren't a fighter who turned into a commentator, would you basically say that acting would be your next best thing, or would you say that you would be better suited?
suited for something or something. I mean, would you what? What the hell am I saying? Would you say <laughs> that acting would be a better career choice for you, or would it be something else that you would be interested in? No, no, acting is uh, not something I've ever aimed to do. I've never wanted to be famous. I've never wanted to be a famous actor. Um, It's one of these things that I've, because of where I am and who I am, I've I've been lucky to get the opportunities to do, and I've taken those opportunities. And, you know, if they were to go further and and elsewhere, then, then, yeah, I would, um, I probably would pursue that. Um, but it's certainly not my, my major focus. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if I weren't commentating, I, I would still be doing some kind of media uh, work with, with, with the martial arts. I just love it so much. And, I, and, and because of where I am, I can bring out information to the world that is not readily available. Um, so, yeah, that. Um, the only other thing I would do professionally would be... Uh, uh, a trainer, a strength and conditioning specialist, um, something uh, along those lines, uh, with working with athletes. I see. So basically, you would try and be like a specialist to help athletes continue to grow, right? Yeah. yeah. I actually, I do have one. I do have a burning question with two burning questions. What was the hardest thing uh, to adapt to when you finally settled in Japan? What was like the hardest? thing yeah like you that you can recall I don't know I know you said you're six foot five so I don't know if that was maybe the hardest thing because you know at, like just trying to like probably get into like a capsule hotel if ever if you ever had to is probably yeah. was like incredibly difficult uh, I don't know if that was the hardest or was there something else I don't know you get you get used to that I mean uh, yeah bumping your head is not particularly fun but uh yeah, once you get used to not bumping your head so often, it's not so bad. <laughs> um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, the language and the culture t- takes a while, you know, and, and a lot of people who come here from other countries and cultures, you know, they'll, they'll stay here one to three years and then they're out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's one of these things that you, you either uh, fit in and, and manage, to, manage to incorporate into your life. Um, or, or you have to leave because it's just so different. I mean, I've, I've traveled. I've, I've, I lived in Saudi Arabia when I was a kid. I've traveled in Europe, uh, North Africa, uh, been to the States a few times. Um, but Japan is so unique and so different. Um, it's not for everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, any, would you ever consider returning to have another pro fight? Or is that... You decided, nope, no more. Well, yeah, I've been offered. Uh, I've had offers uh, in Japan and abroad. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe I would uh, if it were the right thing. But, I mean, I, I would have to build up to that, you know. I'd have to get active again. And right now, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, you know, happy looking after my family. I'm happy, happy doing uh, the work I do um, in the martial arts industry. Uh, I'm happy taking up jujitsu. I've done, you know, BJJ for a couple of years now. Um, I didn't wear the gi for a long, long time, so this, it's another new thing for me. I'm, and I want to compete in that more um, to test myself uh, without getting punched in the face. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that would depend on a lot of things. But I'm basically quite happy where I am right now. Okay, great. 
Uh, with that being said, Stuart, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, plug all of your social media where where fans can reach you, and then we'll, uh, you know we'll give uh, we'll, we'll do all the plugs for all the shows that are, that you're gonna, that you're involved with. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, very much appreciate that. Yeah. Oh no! After you, so yeah, where, where, where can people reach you on social media? All oh, right. Okay. So um, you can get me on uh, Twitter S Fulton MMA, uh, Instagram. Um, what the hell is my Instagram? S S Fulton underscore MMA. Um, uh, Facebook uh, Stuart Fulton Martial Arts. Um, uh, if any media wants uh, more uh, information from from Pancras, I'm dealing with their international press releases. So hit me up, and I'll uh, I'll hook you up with that. Um, Quintet, of course. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I'm in it to win it with them. Um, Rise Kickboxing. Um, yeah, all all of those three. Uh, hit uh, hit them up and uh, look for look for my uh, posts. that yeah uh uh i think it was last year. i don't know i feel 2020 has been a weird year where i feel like something that happened last year actually happened five years ago and vice versa <laughs> but uh although the last world series uh uh that had tension and uh taiju in in the uh in their respective weight classes one of the best one of the best kickboxing shows i've ever seen just oh, one of the best combat oh, yeah. sports uh i've ever seen not just the tournament itself but the, but the rise shows themselves but yeah when Rise of the Torment, oh my, it, it is so good. It is so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I encourage anybody who, who likes kickboxing uh, to, to get on that. It's uh, The level is the highest you'll see, and uh, the shows are phenomenally good. Uh, with that being said, Christian, would you like to uh, give off our final sign-offs? Yes. First of all, Pancrase 319. Be on the lookout for that on the official Pancrase YouTube channel. 
October 25th, live from Studio Coast in Tokyo, Japan. The next Quintet Fight Night show will take place on, um, I'm sorry, it's kind of, I'm kind of fucking nervous right now trying to give these folks <laughs> out yeah, to do so. But yeah, Quintet Fight Night, October 27th, live from the world famous combat sports hall known as Korakin Hall, live on the Fight Pass. And don't forget the Rise World Series card that'll take place in November, hopefully live on Fight. But still... Thank you, Mr. Fulton, for joining us. We hope that you, you know, we hope that we made you feel like you were a part of our employee for the last couple of hours. It's been fun talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I do appreciate it very much. And uh, we finally got around to it. And uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, I hope to see more from you guys. And we hope this uh, we're here and see more of you. And uh, I know that people in Ryzen do listen to us. Guys, come on. Let them commentate a fucking show. <laughs> and not to mention, please give us back the international... No, please give the fans what they want. And that's international English broadcast. Because without you guys... Well, without the English language broadcast, without the international broadcast, what would be the point of us saying... But yes, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later. Cheerio and peace out.